Welcome back to another episode of Sports with a Z and a T. I'm Bryce Alinsky alongside Taylor Lattimore. It's been a busy week. We got our mm-hmm. haircuts. Yes, we up did. Saving, yes, we did. Up at Saving Face Barbershop. Shout out to my boy, uh, Looking Jeremiah. Fresh. Yeah, that, it's so hot. We needed the fresh cuts. It's so hot mm-hmm. up here right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but shout out to Jeremiah, Saving Face Barbershop up in Saratoga. Obviously, we are sponsored by them and presented by Godzilla Media. We have a whole bunch of things to get to, but first, But first, before I forget, the oh-so-important Big Hair Energy giveaway, we did announce our winners on Twitter, but just for those that didn't see the tweet, these are our winners. Congratulations to at BriEyes and at A-Rod underscore 1001. Uh, The video is on our Twitter account. If you did not um, see it, Otis was very deliberate in his decision. (laughs) He, He looked at each name and picked every single one out so Mm -hmm. uh otis made the winners congratulations to those two and your um your shirts will be going in the mail shortly i spoke to both winners i got their addresses got the shirt sizes and they will be getting those within i i don't know a week or two i don't know how that works we we just do the winner (laughs) mail how does it work (laughs) and and the the uh the front office deals with the rest um (laughs) But no, congratulations. <laughs> Expect more giveaways. Uh-oh. We just got a live breaking news. Uh, the the NBA MVP award goes to Nikola Jokic. Breaking news. Yeah, as we as as we go on air, literally, this just dropped per Shams, the MVP, mm-hmm. and I guess we'll just go to the NBA playoffs because that's what Shams right. decided. Shams decided <laughs> to go there. Uh, Nikola Jokic is the MVP, not Joel Embiid. Um, <clears throat> I, I really honestly think it's the 21 games missed for Embiid. I think that is really came down to be the difference maker. Look, when Jamal Murray went down, you look at the Nuggets and you look at what people were saying about that team. And, and really, both you and I kind of agree on this. We like Duke, Luka a lot. Um, there's a lot of changes coming to Denver, obviously, or, or geez, Dallas. Dallas. Let me rewind. <laughs> Luca plays for Dallas. Pull it back. Pull it back. Yes, Jamal does. Murray yes, plays for Denver. Jokic uh-huh. plays for Denver. You can see where I Indeed. was wanting to go. I was planning on going yeah. to Luca and the Mavs. I got mm-hmm. thrown this curveball, so let's rewind. <laughs> when Jamal Murray got hurt, you and I included pretty much wrote Denver off. Look, were they going to make the playoffs? Yeah, probably. But were they going to make the noise that they did? Probably not. Jokic is a big reason why that Denver is still could be. Now, do they have some nice complimentary pieces right now? Absolutely. I think Aaron Gordon has been a nice addition from the trade deadline. Otto, you know, Otto Porter Jr. has been a nice piece. But Jamal Murray is, I mean, you could argue he's their most important player, not Jokic. So when Jamal Murray goes down, uh, a lot of people wrote them off, and Jokic had a great end of the regular season. Uh, they they obviously advanced into the next round here in the playoffs. They beat Portland. Uh, so, look, I understand it. I'm upset about it because I really think Embiid was the most dominant player when he was on the court, and I guess that's the key phrase, right, when he was on mm-hmm. the court. Um, he did miss the 21 games. However, career high in boards, assists, Total points per game uh, clearly was the driving force for the Sixers to become the number one seed. And you, you're you seeing, of course, the playoffs 
don't factor into the MVP voting because the voting is no, done before the playoffs even start. But you're mm -hmm. seeing the importance for the Sixers of what Embiid brings to the table. You see how different of a team. Granted, they lost game one. We'll get to that. But the the driving, just, just the domination of Joel Embiid and the fact that nobody has answers for him. I thought he was the best player in the NBA this year. Um, clearly the voters felt otherwise Jokic got it. Congrats to Jokic. I said, if MB didn't get it, it needed to go to Jokic. I would have been upset if it was going to Steph because they didn't even make the playoffs. Um, Steph had a great year. They got into the play-in tournament, but he did not deserve MVP. I I'm, I'm waiting for the, uh, final votes tally to come out because that will eventually get leaked out. My guess is it was Jokic Embiid, and Steph. I would probably think that that's going to be pretty accurate. Um, and for me, yes, Embiid had a great season, and you're going to look at the the time missed, and a lot of people are going to knock him for that. And, I mean, rightfully so. You can knock him all you want. Um, but, you know, it, it, one of his big bugaboos all his career has been availability, and the fact that he got injured again is just a testament to that. But, I mean, Jokic definitely deserved this mvp i mean he led in um not the regulars categories like points and obviously steph had the the points per game he got the scoring title um but he's a very balanced player he's very important uh to what Den denver does um and i i think you could argue that jamal murray is the most important but i think it's clear that Jokic is the most important if they didn't have Jokic, the nuggets wouldn't be even near the playoffs wouldn't even sniff in it even if they had jamal murray um but advanced stats in almost every category uh that's not defensive almost all the offensive categories Jokic leads and all of them but that's but um, that's just but that's just it like yeah i get it it's an offensive driven <laughs> league but what mb does on the defensive end of the floor is something that you don't see out of really a, a big man. He can get out and close out on threes. He can hit three. Now I get it. Jokic hits threes on the offensive end of the floor too. But the things that MB can do as a player, it's a little different. You don't really see that in a big man anymore. He kind of has, I, I, I use MB like this. He has the athleticism of KD and Giannis, but he's a big man and he can mm -hmm. shoot. That, that's really what Embiid is. Now, health is obviously a concern. We go back to the conversation that he missed 21 games, but I, I just think the consistency of Joel Embiid, Jokic was not right. as consistent throughout the season. Let me let me throw you some some stats, and we'll see what And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. No. Well, no. I mean, he is the MVP. He was voted the MVP, so but there's no disputing that, but... Um, Offensive win shares, Jokic number one. Uh, I can't even Joel Embiid all the way down. I can't even count that far really quick. Well, it's uh, because <laughs> the Sixers. That's because the Sixers held water wet, treaded water when he was out. So yes. I understand. Defense, that. defensive win shares. Jokic is actually fourth, which surprises me. Um, win shares overall. Jokic is first. Um, offensive box plus minus. Jokic is first. Defensive box plus minus. He's fourth. Um, and overall. Box, he's number one, and Vorp, he's also number one. So he dominates in all the uh, the advanced stats. I mean, take that with a grain of salt. Obviously, you know the eye test. I'm a big eye test. Yeah, right. I'm a big yeah, I'm a big eye no test easy. person. 
I yeah, just, that that's always a thing. I mean, but even the eye test. I mean, Jokic dominated a lot of games. Sure, there were some games where maybe he was more passive than he should have been, but there was also games where he had like forty points and to go along with like eleven assists and nine or ten rebounds. Like he posts triple doubles too. So uh, he definitely, I think he deserved it. But if I'm looking at it overall, the the thing that I have a problem with the MVP as an award is how you define it. And so it's like the most valuable. So what does that mean? Does that mean the best player on the best team? Because the best player on the best team, yeah, that that would probably be Embiid. I mean, at least in the West and the East, he's their number one seed. They weren't the number one overall. If you go that, then maybe it's, I mean, Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell because they were the best seed overall. Um, the, who's the best team player on that team? Obviously, defensively, it's it's Rudy, but. Uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell's obviously offensively their their guy, but can make an argument for CP3 with Phoenix too, obviously. Exactly. Because because they were a non-playoff team without CP3, mm -hmm. and then they lay in the number two seed and are in the you know Western in Conference of that, semifinals. So in terms of that, I think you can see the trajectory of the the Phoenix. You could. I mean, obviously going undefeated in the bubble. In the bubble, yeah, exactly. They were undefeated, and in the games that Aiton played last year, they were they were pretty good, and they were looking right. towards the playoffs either way. Not number two seed for sure. Like they were no. going to make the playoffs this year without CP3, but I think CP3 elevates them from maybe like a seven eight seed to a two seed. So there's MVP in that, but also Steph. Without Steph, the Warriors would probably be the worst team in the league or, uh, you know, competing for the worst team. Well, in the we league. saw it, right? We saw it last yeah, year. Exactly. Exactly. They were the worst team in the league last year without him. And so with him this year, they nearly make the playoffs. If it was a regular, like regular season without the new plan, he would have made the playoffs and he damn near made the playoffs this year. He was one game away and it just, he ran into a, a pretty good um grizzly squad and he nearly beat the lakers as well um the game before so sure did. i could make an argument for steph if you're going for most valuable as in the guy who elevates his team from the dregs of the bottom of the league up to where they were i could make a case for steph but ultimately it's Jokic's award and he deserved it i'm not gonna argue with it too much yeah no no i'm I'm upset, but not upset because <laughs> Jokic doesn't. You're upset. It. You're upset. I'm because upset you're as biased. a Sixers fan. Correct. <laughs> now, I'm not. No, I like I said, I'm upset because I'm a Sixers fan at heart and wanted MB to win, not because Jokic didn't deserve it, because yeah. he did. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, we we have some playoff games, and when this airs, this is when it gets tricky, especially during playoffs. When this show airs. Game two of the Sixers Hawks will have played. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, game. we're going to be talking about a little bit of should the Sixers and Sixers fans be panicking after, you know, losing game one. That might not really apply after, you know, tonight. And by the time the show airs, it could be tied or you it hope. could really apply, which God, I hope not. And they're down 2 <laughs> 0. Um, yeah. So I, I'll start there. We'll start with the Sixers and then we'll go to the other. Uh, Easter conference, I guess you could call it a matchup. I, it's not really a we'll matchup. See, we'll see, we'll it's, it's more like practice right now. But uh, so and then we'll and then we'll switch over to the West. So let's start with the Sixers. They drop game one against the Hawks at home. Hawks come out absolutely red hot from three. I mean, they were not missing between Bogdanovich, Trey Young, and uh, Collins. They made. 70 
75% of the team's threes. They were red hot. Yeah. Uh, Trey Young and Bogdanovich had 55 points combined going mm-hmm. into halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just it was just one of those games where you knew, like, look, the, and what the Sixers do well is play off their defense and play off the turnovers and get and, and play off other teams not converting on their end of the floor. When they're shooting lights out threes, that gets the Sixers out of their game a little bit. Now, I think the Sixers really waited a little too long for their adjustments. They wait, they adjusted at halftime, and they almost came back and won after being down 26. The Sixers yeah. almost almost came back. So that's why I'm I'm feeling a little bit better about game two and the series as a whole. I'm not, you know, pressing the panic button because the Sixers lost game one. If no. anything, I think it's better for them because they see what works and what doesn't work with a sharpshooter. And a guy like Trey Young, look, Danny Green, he's serviceable. He's a good role player, but he's not somebody that I want seeing on Trey Young. What you're going to start seeing tonight in game two and throughout this series, if the referees are going to be so... um, (laughs) Trey-friendly... Uh-huh. Shall I put? Um, you're gonna see Ben Simmons on him, a more physical defender, someone that could be a little more intimidating to Trey Young and try to get him off his game and force shots that he might not necessarily want to take. I, I think that's going to be a big time adjustment for the Sixers moving forward. Um before yeah. we move on, my gut is and the reason I don't want to harp on one game so much is because it's gonna be outdated by the time the show airs. But yeah. my gut is if this series is tied one-to-one um, for our listeners out there, I told you I'm not worried. Um, I think the Sixers – honestly, my opinion is Sixers and five. I think I, the Hawks got theirs. The Sixers will move on. Maybe the Hawks get another one. Now, if it's 2-0, I'll be having a different conversation because clearly adjustments <laughs> weren't made like I expected them to. And then we'll talk more going into next week's episode because the series will be a little more testy by that point. But I'm not pressing the panic button as a Sixers fan yet. No, you probably shouldn't uh, press the panic button yet. I mean, it's one game. These series are long. These series are seven games for a reason. One game does not make a series. We saw it with the Clippers. The Clippers lost both they games were down at home. 2-0, right? They yeah. lost both games at home. And then they came back and won both games on the road. And then they lost again at home and they were up down three, two. And then they ended up winning the last two games that they won. So these series are not predicated on one game. And I think the Sixers, they need to keep playing physical and force the refs to, to not call every foul. Like because if you're going to foul them, basically, if you're going to be physical every time down the floor, the refs can't call it every time. And if they do, then they're just going to look ridiculous. This is an NBA playoff game. Let them play. To the, the refs, point, the refs have been, and not just in the Sixers series, the refs have been brutal. I am, I am all playoff. in favor in the NBA playoffs of letting them play Let them a play. little bit for physical. I want them to be physical because this is the NBA playoffs, and I 
that's the type of basketball I want to see. Now you got to be careful with a guy like Trey Young if you're putting Ben Simmons on Trey Young. That foul, like, did you see the foul on Tybal? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I'll try that. You tweeted about it. The supposed <laughs> foul on uh, Tybal on Trey Young. I mean, they're well, treating the Trey Young is, like he can't be touched. It's so infuriating that's to watch. It's a basketball fan, not even a Sixers fan. Trey that, Young is is in the mold of James Harden, where he's going to do those things, those little things that are written into the rules now, and that the the game has become so that you can like push out when you take your shot you can you know bump out to the side a little bit and if anyone hits you a little bit then it's called a foul but i think the sixers need to take that into account and and adjust themselves um it's hard to defend these guys but you just need to get up in their grill and you know force them to work a little bit i think i don't think the knicks did that enough with trey young and it's it's hard to do he's a crafty player i'll give him that like he, oh absolutely good. he's, Very he's good. showing up he's, he's showing up in the moment for sure i just i just think some of the things that he's getting away with is is just very infuriating to watch as a traditional basketball fan to see what they're letting go um yeah but you 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 do have to feel good about like like you said that the sixers were down by 26 26 I think it was, it was, going it was with four minutes 30 even and then 26 like, with four minutes left in the third quarter and lost by yeah. four yeah you lost by four so it's like okay i was i was concerned I, when i was watching it i was like i was like oh damn like <laughs> the sixers are getting pooped on a little bit but by the end it was like it was this is a competitive game so if the sixers just make a little more adjustments and i think the refs did kind of let them play a little more physical in the second half especially in that fourth quarter it seemed like philly and was you really saw getting simmons, into it and you yeah, saw ben were, simmons on trey young yeah so. and they were they were stealing the ball they were getting strips in there and they were being really physical like once they went to that like full court press at the very end too it was like whew, like they, they were getting after it they they felt the desperation and if they carry that throughout the whole game i think they'll be fine in game two so let, let's talk about this supposed series that we were all excited about brooklyn and milwaukee yeah. you know uh, brooklyn wins game one pretty easily but the big storyline was well james harden went down with a hamstring that changes things so we thought um and, and really that my belief has been if one of them starts to go down like look they haven't played together health is clearly an issue with this team if they start to get injuries especially heading into that milwaukee series watch out because i don't think they will have enough to make it all the way to where nets fans expect them to go um, it, it's been proven wrong so far, at least with now there there's, I have two theories about this. The nets are simply that good, which isn't what I'm leaning towards because the nets, yes, they have Kevin Durant still, they have Kyrie Durant has played phenomenal. They're getting production off the bench, especially Blake Griffin lately. He's had a nice series so far, but when, when you're losing in a, I'm not going to say must win game, but a tone setting game. Brooklyn kind of punched Milwaukee in the mouth game one. And I expected Milwaukee to kind of return the favor in game two, especially with no Harden, especially yeah. with, you know, what happened with the step over from Blake Griffin and all mm -hmm. the whole, the whole thing that went there to lose by 39 40 point i'm gonna round out to 40 but it was 39 points they're down by 51 at one point they were they were to lose that bad when you're supposedly one of the top three teams in the eastern conference mm 
and you look so disinterested when you're supposed to put in a statement on the road to try to get something going before you return home. Um, I think it's more of Milwaukee just looking that bad. They look lost on defense. Giannis can't shoot. They're putting way too much pressure on Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton is inconsistent. They just seem like it's the same. You know, and all we heard all year about the Milwaukee Bucks was this year's going to be different. This year's going to be different. Watch. You'll see in the playoffs. It's the same thing. They swept the Miami Heat. Quite simply, I think this is more of a testament of how bad the Heat were going into the playoffs. Hey. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks look abysmal. And, and are the Nets very good? Yes. But they're not this good. The Bucks look bad. I I don't know, dude. I at this point, I think the Nets might be this good. Like it's just uh, well to to go at your point on the Milwaukee Bucks. You're right. This is the exact same story every single year. We get to the playoffs and the Bucks face a team that builds that wall against Giannis, dares him to shoot the ball, and he can't do it. He cannot shoot. He Taylor, cannot shoot. Taylor. And then he what? Thursday or game two, not Thursday, Monday. Mm-hmm. Giannis was minus 22. Chris Middleton was minus 30. Mm. Drew Holiday was minus 27. Mm. Giannis was 8 for 15 from the floor. Middleton was 7 of 20. I, I mean, they're, they're not shooting well. And then when y- you have the star, Giannis is supposed to be the guy that you can go to if you need a bucket. So when, before it gets out of hand, before it gets to a 30 point game, when it's when it's an eight point game and you're like, man, I need a bucket right now to, to stop the bleeding, to, to stem the flow. You got to go to your guy and it's Giannis and he can't score because they're building a wall. And if he gets in close, just foul him. He can't make his free throws. So if you can't make your free throws and you can't shoot the ball, then how are you going to score? You yeah, have to get two, layups he was or two dunks. For, he was two for seven from the free exactly. throw line in, in game two. It's just been... He's two for seven, and then he's scared to go like aggressively because he knows that if he gets fouled, he has to go back to that line, and it'll which just completely, be piling up where he misses. Which, which is taking him away from the reason he was the MVP. Like I yeah. mean, Giannis's physicality, his just absolute physical dominance over pretty much anybody in the league. I mean, that's what he does. I'm not asking him to shoot three pointers left and right. By the way, he was over three um, from three as well. But yeah. I, I mean, it's a bit t- of a mental game. It's because they're, they're, they're giving absolutely him the space. Mental. They're giving him the space and he they're just daring him to take it. And then when he misses, it's like he gets in his head and he's like, oh, like shit, I just missed. So like, it's like, ah, uh, now I got to come down and try to do that again. And they're like, go ahead, go right ahead, go do it. And he just can't. And so that, that's, that's a problem I have with Giannis. It's the same problem I actually have with Ben Simmons. I mean, they have their own, like, you know, he, they have more shooting on the outside, more consistent. And they Hashtag have hack a Ben. Yeah. But, but Ben Simmons is shooting is a concern. And I think it at is, some point it's free throws is going to show. Cause if you cannot shoot and you cannot shoot your free throws, then what are you going to do? Like he, he can collapse the defense all he wants, but maybe they won't collapse. They'll just stand in the middle and foul him because why would you not? He, he can't shoot. Um, but 
And then on the net side, it's it's just ridiculous. Like I I can't even with this. I'm watching them, and you give it to Durant, and it doesn't matter who's in front of him. It doesn't matter how how, how tall they are. It doesn't matter how high they put their hand up in front of his face. He just shoots over them and he makes them. And it's just ridiculous. I think this team is offensively one of the most gifted teams in the playoffs left. I don't think anyone else can compete with them in terms of putting up points and easily, no matter what your defense is, because they're just going to pick you apart, get the matchups that they want and then pull up over you. And even Kyrie, when people are hand in his face, he either dribbles past you or he shoots over you and he doesn't care. When when he's playing and he's focused, Kyrie's one of the top three point guards in the league. I I, I mean he's maybe he can't he, do that math right now, but no, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean Steph, look, Dane, there, well, depending right, on where you put there, Luka, there there's players I'd prefer over yeah. Kyrie, but he has proven that he can carry a team in the moment, offensively, not, not throughout yeah. a season. But in a moment, absolutely. I mean, we saw it in the finals. Ky- the, the Cavaliers won that finals because of Kyrie, not LeBron. People well, forget that. Uh, well, well, you know what I mean. Well, <laughs> the, la- the shot that put them up above. Yes, if they did not, if they did not have Kyrie, the LeBron Cavs scored were two free throws season. afterwards. But that's neither here nor there. After the block, but that's also neither here nor there. But. <laughs> Yeah, Kyrie is one of the best offensive players. He's one of the best guys. If you need a bucket, just give it to him. The opposite of Giannis, basically. He's so creative. He is so creative with the ball in his hands. So I mean, is he is, he's too. fun That's to watch. But- yeah, so is Kevin Durant. It's just like the, their creativity and the Kevin Durant's ability to handle the basketball at his size and also shoot is just straight up remarkable. And he, at this point, with we don't know what LeBron, like what's happening with LeBron. Like, is he injured? Is time actually get, catching up to him? At this point, it's a battle. I think, in my eyes, between Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard for the best player in the NBA right now, at least this season for sure. That's that's how I see this. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? What you think Embiid is the best player in the NBA? He's one of the most dominant at his, yeah. uh, especially yeah. I, I mean, you have to throw Embiid up there. I'm not saying he's there, the best. Yes. Up there. I wouldn't put him top five. Who would you have top five? Steph. Right. Do you have Steph in, up there? Are you talking in the playoffs now or in the NBA? In the NBA. In the NBA. Well, I, I mean, right now. Let's talk just the playoffs. Who who are the top five players in the playoffs right now? Kevin Durant. Left. Left. Yes. Left. Still playing. Durant. Kevin Durant. Durant. Kawhi Leonard. Yes. Uh, I'll let you go. I'll let you go, and I'll just say if I well, agree or not. Instead I mean, I of guess, yelling over I guess, each other, yeah. And the and the, and the players that are still in Embiid would be in the top five because it would go, it would go Durant, Kawhi. Then I have I have Embiid over. Kawhi. M- I'm sorry, I, I have I have Embiid over Kawhi. I don't. Not after that 45 point performance in Game Six and to follow it up with a closeout 29. He Eight just dropped 39 on a torn meniscus, please. And he lost. That, Wait, what? Not to his fault. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> like, if you drop the, you can drop whatever you want. If you lose, it doesn't matter. That's what Luca said. I mean, Luca dropped 47. Uh, I, look, I like Luca a lot. I mean, seven. I wanted to, I wanted to talk about Luca because I, I like Luca a lot. Luca. I think it. he's, I think he's, you know, has a very, very, uh, 
bright future in the NBA. Obviously he's an MVP level caliber player. Mm -hmm. Um, I got really turned off by his comments. I really did. Really? Like, yeah, what? I, I, I think just the fact that he is showing that he's already just so young in the league, showing frustration with the front office in Dallas no. and saying that he needs help. You're, you're not, you haven't proven anything yet. When go and win some playoffs first, you know, that, that try to make a playoff run instead of losing in the first round night in night out, because all you do is shoot. I, yeah, I, I mean, well, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I like, I get what you're saying. He, like he hasn't proven anything, but I mean, look, he, I like him. He's a very good player, but he's had, he's had two of the best, like first round starts to it a was very, his comments were very Christoph's Porzingis to me. You know what I mean? Well, maybe if Christoph's Porzingis was a little better, they put well, him. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, K- K- KP saying he's frustrated with his role in, in Dallas. Well, well, you don't have a role because listen, you can't prove to have it. Have a listen. Role. I, I watched a lot of that Clippers Mavs series, if not all of it. And the one thing I will say about Luca is, if he's not involved in the play, he gets lost. Yeah. A lot of times they were forcing the ball out of his hands. With, I mean, it wasn't even really much. He was just like like a canard like hedge on the side and Kawhi's being the, the main primary defender on him. And if he doesn't get the switch, then he was just like boop, passing it into like Marjanovic or something. You or know, giving it's, it to it's, it's Tim almost, Hardaway. And then he was just standing off the side. It's almost like he needs like a, a really good point guard that could be available this off season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. I, I mean, mean, look, I'm would that be, it. that would be, you know, we we've had a conversation on this show about who the best backcourt in basketball is. Mm-hmm. If you put Damian Lillard in Dallas, that's the best backcourt in basketball, and it's yeah. not close. I yeah. will take that over Steph and Clay. I absolutely probably I will yeah. take Lillard yeah. and Luca over Steph and Clay, especially like, considering what Clay is right now. Yeah, like Clay gets hot, <laughs> he can shoot the lights out, but like he's not usually a guy you throw the ball to, and he can get his own shot without. And I and I, and I would and I would take it over Westbrook and Beal, who, in my opinion, was the best backcourt this season. So what what Luca what Luca's problem is is exactly what Steph does so damn well. You throw him the uh, he if he gets rid of the ball he gives up the ball he immediately starts moving he starts moving off the ball he finds the spaces yeah. he cuts back on screens and then he gets wide open looks Luca was throwing him throwing the ball to someone else and then he's just backing up backing up on the logo he's literally almost standing on the logo just like watching the play and it's like bro bro once you give the ball up go find a screen or something get and, and that and that comes space. with find yourself and, in space and that comes with coaching. And, and more experience in the league. And, and that's what makes Dallas so interesting this year. And I think or I say this year, but next year, I should say, um, yeah. especially later on the summer when free agency happens and you can, you're going to see trades coming. I just think a presence, a veteran presence. I, I mean, you can't get more grizzled vet, you know, a coach's player type guy than Damian Lillard. Um, I just think that would be, the perfect mentor for Luca. I I agree. The only problem I have with it is that I don't see he's not a free agent, Dane. No, he would have to be traded. Dallas would have to make a move. I I think you could see Porzingis. Now with McCollum there, I think Porzingis would be an interesting addition to Mm -hmm. Portland. 
Um, <clears throat> so you could see that. And, and Dallas, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Dallas has quite a significant amount of first round draft picks that they can dangle out there. I'm not sure. I think I them. And o- I think right now, I but- think they're one of the teams closest. Well, to I know. Okay. Okay. Sees ridiculous. They they everyone's picks for the next right. nine years. Right. But I think Dallas and, and I, I don't have time. I don't have the tabs open to look it up right now, but I'm almost positive that the Dallas is very close to Oklahoma, not very, but close to Oklahoma city in regards to draft assets that they can dangle. Now, I don't is- know financially how that will shake out because they do have to consider paying Luca now soon. Oh yeah. He's going to sign the Supermax extension probably this summer. Yeah. Um, but but the thing is, I don't think Portland's going to trade Dame unless Dame comes out and says, trade me, right? Like, trade me. Like, And I don't think he's going to do that because he's been the loyal guy. Well, it's it's interesting because you we've kind of heard both things ever since Portland got eliminated. We've heard that he'll have a lot of say in the next head coach. And we've also heard that teams have already been in contact with Portland laying out the groundwork for a trade for Dame. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think that's a name that you're going to – and look, it's not just Dallas that you have to keep an eye on. Um, the, the Sixers are a team. The Knicks are a team. I've even heard the Warriors could be interested. And, and don't count out a team like – so say CP3 doesn't come back to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You need another guy to pair with Booker again. Damian Lillard would make a whole lot of sense in Phoenix too. So there's a whole lot of places out there that would make a lot of sense for Dame. I don't think Lillard's going to come to the Knicks or, or get traded to the Knicks because I think the Knicks are going to have to try to court Kawhi or, or a star like that before mm-hmm. they can go and get aggressive. Because what are you really doing by being aggressive and going out and getting just Damian Lillard? You have to have another guy there. It would be first. if you brought him in. It would just be. It would just Port- be him. Portland to New York. Uh, It'd be uh, Portland right. New York. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think you're going to have to heavily recruit a guy like Kawhi. Which look, Knicks fans, it's not happening. I mean, I know that's already been thrown out there, but I don't see Kawhi choosing New York. Um, <clears throat> I think Kawhi's probably going to stay. That would be like my. It seems like he doesn't really, really care about Ka- winning all that much. Kawhi's, like Kawhi's situation is so is so just very hard to get a feel of because yeah. you you obviously he already won in Toronto. He seems very comfortable in LA, but you see you hear all these rumblings about how it's not so rosy in LA either. So <clears throat> it's it's interesting to see how this summer is gonna pan out. The landscape of the NBA could change a lot via trade not so much free agency this summer. So mm-hmm. I, I think Kawhi is the name that if he stays put, I think Lillard stays put. I think a chance of Lillard going to a new team either relies on where Kawhi goes, he could team up with Kawhi, or he goes to Dallas. I, I think that's really his two options. Realistic yes. options. But but the thing is, the Dame's just he's marketed himself almost as like this loyalty guy. Like I'm, and that's I'm the, my, I'm and the that's loyal why, one. That's why my gut and says so, he stays in Portland. And but. so I think he stays in Portland unless 
uh, his free. I don't know when his contract is up. I think it's at least in a couple years. It's not this year summer. I don't know. I don't think it's next summer. Um, but up. yeah, look that up. But um, I don't. I think he would leave as a free agent. But I do not think he's going to be the guy to pull the Harden move that Harden did earlier. This it seems like so long ago, but earlier this season when he like pouted his way out of Houston. Like Damian Lillard's not doing that. And Portland's not going to trade Lillard's, him for no reason. Lillard's an unrestricted free agent in 2025. So, okay. So they locked him up. <laughs> so yeah, no Portland's not getting rid of him anytime soon, unless he demands a trade and he, I don't think he will. So no, I either he's he doesn't seem like Portland. that kind of guy, but no, he doesn't. But also, <laughs> Anthony Davis didn't seem like that type of guy until he did it. So I don't really know, but all right. So we have one more series to get to, but before we uh, move on to another big sports topic that, that happened since we last met uh, just quick Utah and LA, I think this is going to be a really good series. Um, really all four series. I thought were really good matchups. Brooklyn and Milwaukee's turning out not to be so much as of yet, but LA and Utah, the number one seed, and then the Clippers, who is my Western Conference final representative pick. Um, no Mike Conley for Utah. Mm-hmm. So obviously listeners will know the result of this, but I think that's very significant considering what Utah likes to do. Um, yep. I, I think the Clippers are going to rather have an easy go of things against Utah. I, I don't think that this is going to be a seven game series like Dallas was. Now I was wrong about <laughs> Dallas's series being close. I was right. So I could be I wrong right. again. You were, serious. you were kudos to you. However, have I, Luka, but... I'm not so sure Utah has the firepower that Dallas has that gave LA the problems. I, I think this is a better matchup as a whole for LA. I think you're underestimating the Utah Jazz, actually. They don't have a guy – well, actually, I mean, they do, really. Like, they have a guy who can score almost like Luka in Donovan Mitchell. He's very capable. He showed, especially in the bubble. Now it, it is the bubble, so take what you will out of that. I was going to say, I'm not was, taking anything I saw was, from the bubble he was into this playoffs. 50-point games, you know. Um, was, Taylor. Was. Yes, yes, he did, which means he's capable of that type of scoring. And he's not a guy that like he he's not a oh, what was it the the Pacers guy in in the bubble who was just going off uh, I forget I don't but, remember I don't like I said Taylor I'm past <laughs> I'm past the bubble <laughs> um, but anyway it, he's a guy who can score and I do believe that he's capable of putting up you know 30, 40 point games but but he's probably I would think going to have Kawhi on him. Uh, to try to slow him down. So then it comes down to the other guys on the Jazz, and they have a lot of guys who can who can score. As Jordan Clarkson, six man of the year, he can come off. Joe Ingles also runner up, six man of the year, who can also come off the bench and score. And you got um, other people who can shoot on their their roster. So I I think that they can find someone who's hot and feed that hand, um, kind of like the way that uh, you know Trey Young and Bogdanovich were just kind of like. Uh, Bogdanovich is hot. Feed him, and they're just gonna hit him. Uh, Utah also has a Bogdanovich, so yeah, right. They, they can feed him too. I'm kind of hoping. I know this is not gonna happen, or at least I don't think it's gonna happen. But wouldn't it be funny if 
the Hawks stop, no. and, the, and the Jazz. Stop getting <laughs> stop you. I'm going to stop you right the now. The finals of the Bogdanoviches. That's so gross. <laughs> that would be such a gross finals. I can't even stomach that thought, and we're going to move on. Thanks to I Taylor's jazz, obnoxious jazz thought of a Bogdanovich NBA finals in 2021. I think the Jazz Clippers series will go six, at least. I think the Clippers win, but. I think it's going to be real close. It's going to be a, a slugfest, and I think Kawhi is going to have to be as good as he was at the end of that Dallas series to win this series. Nah, I'm not. Look, I'm not. I want to be clear. I'm not saying Utah's going to get steamrolled, but I, I think it's a better matchup for LA than what Dallas was. I'm not. Look, they were the number one seed for a reason, but they're better defensively than Dallas, but maybe slightly worse offensively, um, and they definitely don't have. I don't think Donovan Mitchell obviously is not as good as Luca. No. So, no, so there's no, that, no. but they're going to have to deal with a better defense. They're not going to be playing that cushy zone crap that uh, Dallas was playing against them. It's not going to be that. All right. We had a big trade in the NFL mm-hmm. and, and by big, I mean, real big uh, Julio Jones was traded. Finally. And we, we kind of flirted that this was coming down the pipeline. Um, it, w- it came official over the weekend that Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan for a second round pick of 2022 and a fourth rounder in 2023. Uh, also Atlanta gets a sixth round pick. Ooh. Um, <laughs> or no, Tennessee got a sixth round pick with them. Like, I, I, look, yeah, it could this, be Tom Brady someday. The <laughs> fact that, yes, I get he's 32 years old. Yes, I get he missed seven games in 2020. But this is a guy, as recently as two years ago, posted a 99-1406 stat line. This is a guy that surpassed 1,000 receiving yards seven times. Topped 100 receptions three times. Has averaged almost 10 or more receiving yards per game than any whiteout in the history of the NFL. Think about that. We've had some good receivers in the NFL. Julio averages 10 more receiving yards at 95.5 more than any whiteout in the history of the game. And you didn't even have to give up a first rounder for him. Look, this, 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 this is a great cut. Look, when it comes to the Tennessee Titans, um, I'm impressed. They have a very good defense to begin with. And the offense, obviously, it is what it is already. You have A.J. Brown, who's an up-and-coming star. Uh, you have Derrick Henry, who's the best end running back in the NFL, coming off a 2,000-yard campaign. He's led the league in rushing each of the past two years. He's an absolute freak. Mm-hmm. Um, my only reservation is, look, Ryan Tannehill had, has had a good run with the Titans, but I question whether really the game plan that the Titans like to bring, which is run the football and what Ryan Tannehill brings to the table. The reason why I think Tannehill has been so successful is they haven't asked him to throw the ball as much because they have Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a lot of mouths to feed and not a whole lot of pass plays to call. So uh, this is going to be interesting to watch. I think the Titans, obviously this is a move that, Puts them right at the top. Now, I have said on this show, and I will say again on this show, that when it comes to the AFC South, which is very competitive, 
Um, Taylor will like what I'm about to say. I think the Colts have a very realistic shot of not only winning that division, but representing the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. Oh, they're um, doing it. So oh, I, I, I'm not going to go as far as say as the Titans. This is, you know, a, a deal breaker for me on the Colts that now the Titans are the favorite in, in this AFC South. No, but I, I think the Colts are still my favorite. They have a top defense in the league. They have a very determined quarterback that wants to prove the world wrong and has MVP potential with a great offensive line, a great running game, all the nine yards. Um, look, <laughs> I think it, it's going to come. Look, it's going to come down to the Titans and the Colts for that division. And I think whoever wins the division has a legit shot at threatening the Chiefs for the AFC crown. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, obviously, as far as this division goes, um, yeah, especially if we don't know what Watson's doing, if he's playing, if he's not, if he's going to get traded, probably not. But Obviously, the Houston Texans are in shambles. Um, yeah, I'm not the Texans aren't even in a in my conversation in my head yeah. at all. And the Jaguars' new quarterback. I mean, maybe Trevor Lawrence comes out and he's amazing, but I doubt it. Most people don't when they're on a bad team in their first year light it up unless they're like Andrew Luck. But um, yeah, no, I, I I think that the it's between the Colts and the uh, the Titans, and you have the same concerns that I do when it comes to that Titans offense and the one thing that might limit them is Brian Tannehill. And yes, he's had a good season, but I got into a Twitter fight with some random person um, who was telling me that I he know would how take, that feels that he would take Ryan Tannehill <laughs> over Carson Wentz every day of the week. Oh man. And I was like, see, I, man, see, man. I can't, I, I can't. So I, I, I can't, I, I, I can't take those people because obviously by now it, it's not a secret to any of our listeners that I am a diehard Eagles fan and what? I have been, no. <laughs> but some to our new listeners who haven't heard us or gotten to know us over the past couple years know that I was very upset when the Eagles traded Carson Wentz. Um, I think it will be one of the greatest mistakes in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Carson Wentz is destined to win an MVP and a Super Bowl trophy with the Indianapolis Colts. He has the offensive coordinator that made him an MVP candidate in Indianapolis with him. Um, mm -hmm. This is a Colts team that I have been beating the drum since the day the trade was made that the Colts are going to be my AFC representative in this year's Super Bowl. So, <clears throat> so I'm going to leave it at that. This guy's argument was basically that he was he, his overall argument was that the Tennessee Titans will be better than the Colts, and he said that everything on the everything on their team the the Titans have better, and I was like, okay, let's go through it. Offensive line, which is better? Definitely the Colts, a hundred percent. Colts have one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the game. Running back, Derrick Henry is certainly the best uh, running back in the NFL, and he's better than the Colts running backs, but. The Colts have two running backs who are going to be their, their two-headed monster in Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. And it's not whether one of them is better than Derrick Henry. It's if both of them combined can be basically the production of Derrick Henry. And I think that they can. I think they both can have 1,000-yard seasons. Quarterback, I'm sorry. I'm taking Wentz every day over Tannehill. Wentz had two bad seasons, but he was an MVP candidate. One. And Tannehill was bad. Once he had bad one bad season. And one season where he did more than he should have with nothing. 
And um, I, that's where I'm going to stop you, Taylor, because I wanted to throw out the stat because when I was beating the drum for Carson Wentz to not leave Philadelphia, mm-hmm. take away last year because last year was a disaster for more than just the Eagles. Everything. Just everybody. Everybody. It was a disaster for everyone. Okay. Um, Carson Wentz became the first quarterback in NFL history to be a 4,000 yard passer. By the way, when he did this became the first 4,000 yard passer in Philadelphia Eagles franchise history. Mm -hmm. He became the first 4,000 yard passer in NFL history to not have a 1,000 yard receiver on the team. Mm-hmm. He had at most that season, Greg Ward was the leading receiver for the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles that season. He had like 594 yards. Mm-hmm. Greg Ward is a former quarterback for the University of Houston. Carson <laughs> Wentz was coming to practice on Monday, shaking hands with his new receivers that he was going to have for the week. That's how bad it got. He carried a bunch of practice squad players to a division title that they had no business having. Yep. This is a guy that knows how to win played at an MVP level. Look, I'm sick to my stomach. We we could sit here for a whole hour and I'll, I'll tell you why the Eagles made a massive mistake in trading Carson Wentz, but I, I I need, I need to have my composure and I need to go (laughs) into the Sixers game into a good mood tonight, not already (laughs) pissed off. So we're going to move on before I throw, throw something. I just bottom line is Colts are going to the Super Bowl. Julio moves the needle a tiny bit, but not that much. They're going to go as far as Tannehill takes them, and it's yeah. not going to be as far as Carson Wentz. And and, and that's the point. Like, look, when, it, when it comes down to it, the Titans are going to be a very good team, but the Colts, uh, to me, are still the AFC South favorite. All right, we, we still have a couple minutes left. I, I want to get through some things. We uh, <clears throat> we we had some, you know, we, we sent out a tweet uh, just saying, you know, to our listeners, what would you like us to talk about? If you're watching our YouTube stream, I'm going to leave the question at the bottom and you can read it for yourself. <laughs> um, I'll announce it to our listeners after a couple seconds. It, it just, there it is. <laughs> what the hell is disc golf? So what is that? So I looked it up. I did look at, I did, I did a bit of research. And, and, and why um, are we, and why are we talking about disc golf? That's not what I meant. By saying, what are we going to listen or what are we going to talk about? I was talking about like Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA playoffs. Is there a certain team you want to talk no, about? No, 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 no. no, no. Disc golf. Disc, disc golf. golf. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> it actually looks pretty fun. Like I would try it if I if I had a place to go. Here's I an mean, idea. I... <laughs> Grab yourself a set of golf clubs and go golfing like I did last Saturday. Hey, well, I'd probably be terrible at that. I've never actually golfed in my life. Really? But... Oh, it's no, mini golf. It's mini golf. All right. Well, there's so, a disc golf hall of fame. There's a disc golf hall of fame. Stop I'm it. At, stop I'm looking it. at their Wikipedia page. I'm where is it? It goes all the way back to it? 1993. I don't know where it's located. These are all just the inductees. Well, look it up. There is no location. It's a Wikipedia no, I don't think site. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it has a. I think it's just like you know, like, a, like a, these are the people in the hall of fame. I don't think they have a building. <laughs> 
Um, what do you do but, for a living? I disc golf. Hey, apparently it's like kind of really popular, especially like in the United States. I was looking like the golf course. Oh, list really? And oh, really? Have, it's so popular that I never heard of it. We have 6,000 disc golf more courses. popular in this country. 6,000 in the United Actually, 6,652, which is 75% of the world's total of disc golf is uh, in the United States. Um, so apparently we're like all about it. Fun, fun fact for the day, I guess. All right. Well, there's, a, uh, there's also a professional disc golf association. Just so you know, it's legit. It's legit. It's like the professional bowling association. It's like <laughs> you, you, you there's go 71,000 registered players as of 2020. All right. So well, now you have fun th- there's your fun fact for uh, this week's episode of Sports with a Z and a T. Um, honorable mentions: uh, Jacob Degrom has been absolutely filthy for the New York mm-hmm. Mets. Uh, you are witnessing history in the making. His ERA is down to point zero six or no point six two. I'm sorry, zero point six two. God that damn! Is an a atrocious like like not atrocious atrocious in a good way in a good way it's just filth it's It's just pure filth it's unreal Um, it's it's impressive to see what he's what he is doing um in my opinion he's the record well well that's what that's what i'm getting to um the inability of teams to to really score on degrom this season which is the precise reason he's threatening the standard that Bob Gibson, the late Hall of Famer, posted a 1.12 ERA in 1968. That's the lowest mark of the live ball era. So mm-hmm. 0.62 is a full half run lower than that figure that Gibson threw out there in 19, back in 1960, back in the day of 1968. Um, <laughs> like, like, I mean, what, what the Grom's doing, he's single-handedly carrying the Mets right now. And he only he only sees the field. He's not just a pitcher; he's an athlete that pitches. Like yeah. he he can he can hit, he can field, he, he can run. Like he, yes, he's, he has. Really... He has. So I mean, as a Phillies fan, I hate to see it, but um, yeah. you just gotta respect. I mean, Degrom's he's the best pitcher in baseball. It's not close. I mean, sorry, Yankees fans, you can no, throw I'm, out Garrett Cole, but no, no, no. Speaking as of a Yankee fan, as a Yankee fan, I can tell you that. Garrett Cole is not as good as DeGrom. Speaking of, Taylor, um, the Yankees are in some trouble coming off a nice nice weekend at at home getting swept by the (laughs) Boston. Nice weekend. I wouldn't call it that. (laughs) I'd call it that. Uh, Getting swept by the Boston Red Sox at home. They are now six games back in the AL East. Um is it? I mean, obviously, it is time to press the panic button because it's no longer early. But uh, as our resident Yankees fan, what is it firing Brian Cashman? Because guess what? You could go and trade for Kettle Marte, but yeah. that's not the diff. He's not going to make a six-game difference, you know, just because you put somebody that's respectable out in center. You still have issues. Kettle Marte is not going to fix them all. The pitching's been better than I think people expected. Like if the lineup actually lived up to the hype, they'd be sitting pretty nice because the pitching has over exceeded. But mm-hmm. I don't know where the Yankees are just 
they're in shambles right now. I mean, you, you know, Judge will get hot for a week, then then he'll go ice cold, then Stanton goes on a tear for a month, then he goes on IL. Now he doesn't even play two consecutive days. Like, what's the point? Here's my thing with John Carlos. What is the point of activating him if he can't even DH four times a night in back-to-back nights? Like, why are – like, look, I, I'm all I'd- for it, like – the Yankee, I hate the Yankees, but like as a as someone that's been in the Yankees market as you and I have for a long, long time now, I My mean, whole you life. your whole your whole <laughs> life, me for yeah ten plus years at this point, mm-hmm. I have never seen a player more frustrating for the New York Yankees than John Carlos Stanton. I don't get it. Why is he not in the lineup for consecutive nights? That's an Aaron Boone thing to me. I, I I don't know. I don't know how you fix these Yankees. And I feel like it's the, we're in the same position we're always in. Sometimes we're a little better, but it's always come down to, oh, well, the pitching's been really good. The bullpen's uh, pretty good. But then uh, yeah, yeah, the, back soon. the lineup can't hit and they can't score. They don't hit. Yep. They strike out. They're always trying to get home runs. And I'm sick of it. Like, I I cannot deal with it. And you're right. John Carlos Stanton is a huge disappointment because when I, when we got him, I was all hyped. Of course he was, it wasn't that he was coming off his MVP season, wasn't he? Or he was in the running for it. Um, but he, yeah, well, he and, came off that, you know, he won the MVP. It was that ridiculous season. Yeah. And yeah. And then we got him right after and it was like, Oh cool. We're getting like this MVP guy. And he has been nothing close in any season that we've been yeah. with him. So at this point, he shows I'm glimpses, like, but at this point, I'm like, blow it up. Trade Gary Sanchez. Get rid of Cashman. I don't even care. Like, I ju- keep Judge, keep Glaber Torres, and keep Garrett. No, Co- I mean, the pitching see, staff is okay. See, but. that's just it. That's just it. Do you keep Glaber or do you send him out to Colorado and bring in Trevor Story? You, I like you pair. I like him you, a lot. You pair, you pair Glaber and Sanchez for like, uh, Gomber and Trevor Story or something like that for a fifth pitcher? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, at this point, almost anything's better than what we're doing. We're just treading water and not on the good side. We're, like, drowning. So it's like, I, I don't know how to fix it. Maybe it is. So, maybe we do need to get rid of Cashman and really just shake it up because it seems like he's not really pulling the trigger in the right ways. I just, I just got to... You know, we we have the tweet out there that, you know, I said tonight we were recording this week's episode. If you want anything that we talk about, you know, that this is where this is all coming. We talked about whatever the hell disc golf is, disc golf is. talking about the Mets and your Yankees are in trouble. Uh, uh, Brian Katie, who's also part of Godzilla Media, um, he does the I could butcher this, the sports between or no, the, the space, space between your ears. Space between your ears podcast. I'm sorry I butchered yes. that, but um, <clears throat> he he does that every week for Godzilla Media. He just tweeted <clears throat> at us, LeBron James. You should talk about LeBron James being the greatest crybaby and sore loser of all time. I, I mean, we're both we're both two LeBron truthers. Um, yeah, I just don't know where that's coming from. Uh, he because he's, I mean, I. He's, he's not a he, sore loser. He's competitive. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, all right. I think we're all human. And when 
you're in a series as a number seven seed in the first round against a two seed who's a very good team and you lose your second best player maybe like you know the guy who's supposed to be becoming your best player the guy who's supposed to take the torch from lebron and carry the franchise into the distance he's supposed to be the shack to your kobe and with lebron and he goes down again like at that point i feel like you're just done like i don't know like maybe like i play you know i played sports i play video games i play 2k when I start, if if my best player went out in 2K and I was playing against someone, I was I'd be like, all right, well, I'm done, I I'm done. Like, I know you should never be a quitter or whatever, but you know, like at some point, you just know the inevitable is coming. So why, like, like I, at that point, you're just you're you're laboring on an injured ankle, and you're supposed to carry this entire franchise, and no one else is expected to do it. And if they show any type of like you know frustration, then he gets shit on. Like, look, we're <clears throat> we don't have the time to go through the LeBron <laughs> Jordan thing, so I, I'll just leave it at this before we before we close things up here. He's the goat, and whenever you're the goat, no matter what sport you're in, you're going to get people that don't like you and try to pickpocket every little thing, nitpick every single little thing that they do. You see it with Brady and in the NFL every time he, he goes to the refs to talk to the refs. Oh, he's crying. Sidney Crosby or Alexander Ovechkin in the NHL. Same thing. MLB. I mean, you don't really, you, you see it a little bit, but not a, not a whole lot. It's just a different style of sport. And then the NBA, you have LeBron who's the goat. He's proven that he has earned the right to take command of a team to demand the best from them. And when he doesn't get that, he's going to sound off and it's no different than watching your coach lose his ever loving mind. Mm -hmm. But when LeBron's on your team, hate to break it to you, but LeBron's the coach. That's just how it is. You think Frank Vogel's the coach of the LA Lakers. You're out of your mind. LeBron has the say in that organization, and you know that. So when LeBron is playing on a bum ankle, he knows mm -hmm. Father Time's against him. Mm -hmm. He wants to prove that he still has it and can win another title. Yeah, mm -hmm. the emotions are going to flow, and that's where you see. He's not a sore loser. You can't call the greatest of all time a sore loser when he's won multiple Mm -hmm. NBA titles. You can't call him a crybaby because he just simply wants the best for his team. Now, is he going to go to the refs and try to get the call to go his way? Absolutely. But who doesn't? Especially when he goes to the rim so hard and oftentimes he gets hacked and he doesn't get calls. It's just the fact of the matter. He's a big guy. So, He's hard to officiate. So I, I feel like this is a topic that's not going to go away, especially <laughs> with some people defending Jordan within Godzilla media. So I have a feeling that this conversation will not be the last time we have it. So I'm going to put it no, to bed for it now. <clears throat> but, mm -hmm. 
but just know that there are two LeBron truthers on sports with a Z and a T and you're not going to win that fight. Um, and, and I'll, and I'll co- go and, you know, I'll go and get my, get my facts and I, and I'll just, I'll spit them right out to you. I, give, give me a week to prepare for a LeBron truther episode. And, uh, <laughs> you, you might, you might want to get your funeral arrangements made. So, <laughs> Yeah, kidding. well, I think if we we're both coming in on that, then uh, uh, yeah, we're, we'd have a lot to say because um, I mean he's my favorite player of all time. So he is not mine, but respect when respect is due. Um, That's I want to thank everybody for sticking with us for a full hour once again. Sports with a Z and a T. Uh, things are going really well. There's a lot of exciting things coming down the pipeline that I'm sure those details will be shared with the public at some point. Um, just know that we continue to grow. We continue to get better each and every week. And we're just happy that you guys are along with us um, for this awesome ride with Godzilla Media and Sports with a Z and a T. Um, the arrow is pointed straight up and it's going to be a fun summer. I'll just put it that way. Um, Hell yeah. But but thank you once again. I'm Bryce Lewinsky alongside Taylor Lattimore. This is Sports with a Z and a T podcast. We are brought to you by Godzilla Media, sponsored by uh, Saving Face Barbershop up in Saratoga Springs. Follow us on Twitter at sports underscore podcast. Remember, sports is with a T and a Z, not an S. So make sure you're looking for that. And then follow us as well. Um, my Twitter account is at zbryce21 and <laughs> Taylor's is at T lats with two T's and two S's. That is going, that's been going on the ticker. If you're watching us on YouTube TV for the past hour. So as I said, thank you for joining us. We will catch you next week. A whole bunch of more NBA playoffs, more baseball. The all-star break is quickly coming uh, for the MLB. So we'll, we'll do some mid season grades sometime soon. Um, there's OTAs coming out. So a lot to get to. Thank you for sticking with us. We will catch you next week. See you. Thank you.